Hello and welcome to another Kangaroo English Daily Digest. My name is Christian, and today is Thursday, best day of the week. Um, in some previous uh, Daily Digest podcasts, I've been talking about sound symbolism, about how the way that something looks can affect the sounds and and the names that we give those things. And I talked about the example of Booba and Kiki. Now, Booba and Kiki, it's a very famous um, experiment from from linguistics. And basically, there's there's a, a sheet of paper with these two shapes. And one shape looks like a big blob, like a kind of the, all the, like slime that all the children are playing with these days. And the other one looks basically like a star. So one is very round and amorphous, and the other one is more pointy and jagged. And if you ask people which, which one is called Booba and which one is called Kiki, then nine times out of ten, people will associate that Booba sound, that kind of round soft sound, that boba where your mouth is round and your lips are round, they associate that with the round shape and then the kiki, kiki which is kind of hard and, and sharp and, and kind of strong, they associate that with the shape that looks more like a star. So we can see that the way something looks affects what we call it. But, but here's a question. Does it also work the other way round? Like, is it possible that the name that something has, the sound that something has, can that affect the way that that thing looks? Or can that even affect the way that that thing behaves? And today I'm going to talk about some super interesting and mind-blowing research um, from the past kind of 20 years, 30 years even. Um, but first, but first, I want to start with today's word of the day. So, from the moment you are born, <laughs> from, from the moment you enter this world, you are exposed to a cacophony of sound. Cacophony. Now, if you could see the word written down, you would see it's C-A-C-O. P-H-O-N-Y, cacophony. We can split the word into two parts, caco, phony. So phony, you probably recognize from the word telephone uh, or maybe phonetics. So we know that phone means sound. It's all about sound and voice. And caco is that beautiful Greek root that um, that's given us lots of words in lots of different European languages, basically for bad stuff. Like in Spanish, we have caca. Even in English, you can say, well, you're talking a load of cack. Cack is, is um, not good. You, in English, even we have the word a cacistocracy, leadership by, leadership by, um, by people who are associated with excrement, human waste. Um, so a cacophony literally means bad sound. 
And so cacophony could be, um, well, imagine if you go into a zoo and inside the zoo they have 20,000 tropical birds. And the tropical birds are all like, ah, woo, ah. I'm, I'm, I'm not an expert in tr- tropical birds, but they sort of sound like that, right? Ah, ah. <laughs> now imagine, imagine 20,000 of those birds all making that sound. It's, 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 a, it's an unpleasant sound, right? So you could say, I went to the zoo, I went to the tropical bird enclosure, and there was a cacophony of sound. It's a noun. But also it can be, cacophony can be used to describe sounds that just do not blend well together. So, I mean, (laughs) I don't know if I should um, admit this, but one of my favorite things for breakfast is to eat Vegemite and banana together. So Vegemite, if you've ever tasted Vegemite, it's extremely salty. And then you have that with the banana on top. So it's kind of salt with fruit. It's a love it or hate it kind of thing, you know. I know people that go to McDonald's and they get the McDonald's ice cream and they put the McDonald's french fries in the ice cream and they use the ice cream as a kind of dip. Again, it's that salty sweet combination. Some people love it, some people hate it. And when when that happens with sound, you can call it a, a cacophony of sound, like maybe if you go to your friend's house and the children are screaming because they want to play with the toys and the television's on and someone's also practicing the violin in the corner and those sounds just don't go well together. That's a cacophony of sound. Um, and and so from from a very early age, we're exposed to sound, to different sounds, and so we become very good at making associations between sounds and things, just like with Bulba and Kiki. But it also, the research is now telling us that it works in reverse. So I have to start by asking you an abstract question. What does it mean to own something? So, for example, if you have a pair of scissors in your house, you probably have a pair of scissors in your house, and you own those scissors, what exactly does that mean? I mean, you own them, but maybe other people in your family use them. Maybe sometimes you lend them to your friends. Maybe you might decide one day to give those scissors away. So you you don't have them anymore, but do you still own them? It's an abstract question. And what about something more abstract, do you own your name? So my name is Christian, but do I, do I own that? Is it mine? Because there are other people in the world who have the name Christian. Do they own their name? <laughs> and I'm asking this for a very good reason, because the science tells us that we like things, we prefer things that we own. So if I showed you 10 pairs of scissors and one of those pairs of scissors were were your scissors and I said, which scissors do you prefer? You would choose yours. In general, you would choose yours. We, we like things that are ours. 
we develop an emotional attachment to them. And the same is true with your name. The research tells us that you like your name and you really like the sounds of your name. So there's this great paper here from 1987 called Effective Consequences of Mere Ownership, the name letter effect in 12 European languages. And what they did was they showed random letters of the alphabet to people. So you would receive a sheet of paper with with letters like F, J, O, P. And they said to the people, right, I want you to circle your favorite letter. And in general, much higher than chance, the probability was that you would choose a favorite letter if that letter was in your name. Okay, interesting. So that shows how sound symbolism can affect our behavior, can affect the things that we like or don't like. Okay, but then we can move on to the next level. And this is really crazy. So there's another article here from Psychological Science from 2007 called Monica Maladies When Names Sabotage Success. And listen to this. All students want A's, but students whose names begin with the letters associated with poorer performance, C and D, achieve a lower grade point averages than do students whose names begin with A and B. Can, can you believe that? So what it's saying is, if your name is Allison or Andrew, then you're more likely to get an A at school than if your name was Don or Debbie. Those people with D names are more likely to do badly at school and get Ds. Now that, now that blows my mind. That is, that is an example of how sound symbolism affects behavior in very surprising ways. And in, in the same paper, they, they talk about another study which says here that Baseball players avoid strikeouts, but players whose names begin with the strikeout signifying letter K strike out more than others. So in baseball, when you strike out, that means that you basically, you swing the bat, but you miss the ball. You don't hit the ball. So if your name begins with K, like maybe your name is Katie or Kelly or... I can't think of any male names that begin with K. Kevin. (laughs) If your name is Kevin, then you're more likely to miss the ball when you play baseball because the letter K is associated with missing the ball. I mean, that's just, um, that's just incredible. And that brings us on to the, to the, the third and final paper I want to talk about, which is, again, it's about baseball players, but it's about how, how the, ba- the names of these baseball players can affect their weight. And it's about quantity of syllables. So if you have a nickname that contains just one syllable, like if your uh, friends called you Bob or Frank or Ed that, that one-syllable name, then you are more likely to be heavier. You're going to be, I'm not saying overweight, but you're going to be heavier than a player who has 
a longer name like <laughs> Persephone <laughs> or um <laughs> or um I don't I can't think of any long names. Uh, Metodius. <laughs> Persephone and Metodius are lighter baseball players than Biff and Frank. And you just know that it's true. You can hear it, right? You can hear that those, that those players are bigger and heavier if they're called Biff than if they're called Stephanie. <laughs> um, and so to summarize, if you really want to, to pass that English exam, you should probably change your name to... Anne, if you're a girl, or Andrew, if you're a boy, because we know the science tells us that that's associated with higher grades. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed today's Daily Digest. If you want to support this podcast, you can become my patron at Patreon. Um, You'll find a link to that on my website at kangaroenglish.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Christian. This is Kangaroo English, and I'll see you in class. study